Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner back here on a Tuesday. Round two of Jamie's Way Too Early Mock Draft has officially dropped on the website. We are here to break it all down on the show. Also going to talk a little Super Wild Card Weekend. I know Jamie does not want to refer to it as that. I will here on the show. Super Wild Card. Not a shill. Call it Super Wild Card Weekend. Well, if you're interested. the game to Monday night. If you're interested in taking part in all the playoff festivities, Bet Online would Super. like to wish you a happy new betting year as the march to the playoffs is complete and we are into postseason play. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year, a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get started. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. We always appreciate them sponsoring the show. And Jamie, we're going to do this very simple. I'm going to stop everybody right now. If you didn't listen to last week's show, last Tuesday's show when we did the round one breakdown of Jamie's mock draft, hit pause on the episode right now. Go back, listen to that, so you can hear our deep dive into some of these players. Because you're going to hear me mention these players again when they where they got picked and what teams they now fall on. But if you want to hear our deep dive analysis into those players, uh, do so. We are picking up round two here today. Uh, Jamie, just to set the parameters for everybody once again, this is a 12-team, single QB, half PPR league with the following positions. Quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, a flex, a kicker, and a defense. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't think you're going to see a kicker or a defense drafted anywhere here in the second round of this mock draft, but maybe. You, you will Jamie, not hear me talk about a kicker or a defense at any point as we break down this Jamie over the has next shocked me several weeks. Over the course of this process. So we pick up with the first pick of the second round, and this is it was snake style. So this team picked Javante Williams with the last pick of the first round. They got pretty good value, in my opinion, getting Javante Williams. And they now add, Jamie, what is now – let me just make sure I have this correct here. Wide receiver While you're doing three. that, let me, give a, let, me, let me give a quick recap, though, of round one. for those. By the way, please go back and listen to the show if you haven't. I, but just a quick recap of round one. Uh, in order, just rapid fire. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, Cooper Cup, Nick Chubb, Justin Jefferson, Javante Williams, and right here, as you mentioned, Chris, Devontae Adams. And the reason why he's wide receiver three in your checks notes, is, as Chris does math, draft dudes do math, um, there's some uncertainty about where he's going to A, play next year, and who he's going to play with, maybe more importantly. My, I guess the... Galaxy brain thought process at the moment is that he will be franchise tagged and then traded along with Aaron Rodgers to whatever that new destination is for a boatload of picks. But that's a lot easier said sitting here in January than done when we get to March, April, etc. So I can't again, we're doing this draft as if we were drafting for next year today. Uh, there's too much uncertainty for me because if he go, I think there's a really good chance he just gets tagged this year and has to play one more year in Green Bay with Jordan Love. And he would still be a really good fantasy option at that point, but he's more of a low-end wide receiver one in my rankings in that scenario than the wide receiver one like he has been, So aside from Cooper Cup this year. So I kind of have to hedge my bet here a, a little bit. Uh, so this is kind of where he falls for me. Obviously, he's a tremendous talent. He had six games with 25 or more fantasy points this year. Three game, Only had three games under 11 fantasy points. I mean, was remarkably consistent. And I'll be a big fan of his if he's going with Aaron Rodgers as a package deal somewhere. But we don't necessarily know that's going to be the case. And I think that's a lot easier said than done. We don't typically see deals like this actually happen in real life. These are like, kind of like Madden trades. I'll tell you what. I got a lot of thoughts about this. Um, in the galaxy brain scenario that you pointed out there, I think the biggest issue that I would have with it, Jamie, is we talk about as you take a sip of coffee from what is apparently the biggest mug that they have available in the city of Chicago. Holy crap, where did you get that thing from? Sorry. I, I, I know that's not good podcasting, but folks, uh, it, it was not off mine. Screen. It's, it's my girlfriend's. And it's, it was off base, screen. Uh, and this thing is the size of, it's, it's yeah. a, the size of the Death Star. And I'm not talking about Allegiant Stadium. I'm talking about the Star Wars thing. Uh, thing is huge. Holy smokes. Okay, back my to the My regular coffee I, cup is dirty, and I didn't want to wash it this making. morning. I was editing seven-round mock drafts for the Draft Network. I didn't have time to, to wash my coffee cup. 
is there is so much talk of the potential destinations for Aaron Rodgers. And Jamie, the price tag just to trade for Aaron Rodgers is going to be extremely high. And now you want to add Devontae Adams to the mix. What does that do to the negotiations? What complexities does that add? It just seems extremely far-fetched that a team that's already going to empty their probably their entire draft cabinet in order to get Aaron Rodgers is even going to have enough to be able to entice Green Bay to also throw Aaron Rodgers into the deal. Now, you can come back to me and say, Green Bay's not going to want to play this game of chicken with Aaron Rodgers again. And I think you'd be correct, but man, I just can't, it's tough for me to see a team being able to match up on price. Well, and also let's talk about a scenario where obviously there's cap issues and a lot of other stuff that goes into it, but just on the surface, what's one of the favorites to land Aaron Rodgers? The dating back to a, okay. They've, they're paying three wide receivers. Yeah, they don't, I, this is going to sound weird, but they don't really have a need for, listen, everybody needs Devontae Adams, but they've paid receivers and they have young receivers. They don't need Devontae Adams. They're not, they're not the yeah. Jets receiving core. Okay. Unless Jerry Judy's part of a deal back to Green Bay. Okay. And then which see, I could very much see. And that's how now you're starting to use assets outside of draft capital to be able to make this work, right? And then all of a sudden it starts to become a little bit more realistic. Can I give you my other concern, Jamie? And I got a little bit of a hot take for you. Okay. The next two picks coming off the board you have as wide receivers. I think one could very easily flip the next guy on the list with Devontae Adams as wide receiver three, no problem. I think the neck, the guy after that, that you have as wide receiver five, you could very easily flip with Devontae Adams, and I'm going to tell you why. If Devontae Adams stays in Green Bay and has Jordan Love throwing him the ball, I have a small sample size of that even working in the first place, and I'm extremely skeptical of what Jordan Love is going to be in, in his first full season as a starter in the NFL, whereas the guy you have as wide receiver five, and we're going to get to, I love him, I love his quarterback, and I, I love the continuity that, that that team's going to have for next season. Let me be very clear. If Devontae Adams is back next year in Green Bay with Jordan Love, he will not be the wide receiver three in my rankings. I am splitting the difference here because if he's with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, he's going in the first round of my, my fantasy mock at that point. So I'm kind of having to split the difference here a little bit with a little bit of a shade toward maybe he plays with Aaron Rodgers next year. But yes, uh, he will not be uh, wide receiver three. He would not be a top five wide receiver in my rankings if he's back with Jordan Love next year. Okay, because the guy you have going third in this second round is the is I think would be would be pushed up the board a little bit. But let's get to pick number two, and you are adding this player to Justin Jefferson. So Justin Jefferson being paired up with Tyreek Tyreek Hill. Hill. Yeah, this is you know this is one of those tough spots there. I don't particularly love going wide receiver wide receiver to start, but there are scenarios where, particularly how RB heavy I go, where when you're at the back end of the first round and you have the early second round pick, this is where you go. Uh, you know, as I wrote about in here, it's hard to be too disappointed with Tyreek Hill's season, but he did score four fewer points per game than he did in 2020. Uh, he still finishes the wide receiver six, but wasn't quite there. And he had eight single digit outings. And that's really disappointing considering last year he got rid of a lot of that boom and bustness. We talked about this a little bit in the offseason podcast. And because I know it was a point that you and Jake brought up. And I believe it, and it was actually surprisingly last year he was not as boomer bust and that was one of the big talking points of why he should continue to go uh, as a fringe round one wide receivers in draft last year you know he was right back to boomer bust again this year and got way more targets than you would think but was a lot less efficient with them this season still an elite wide receiver still an elite talent obviously this is somebody that i think could push into the first round in best ball formats because of his spike games but to me, I feel more comfortable with him here at the top of round two at wide receiver four. 2.3, joining Nick Chubb in what is I'm calling the uh, AFC North team. Jamar Chase. This is the guy I was talking about before. And Jamie, I love the piece of information that you offered up here at the beginning. I did not know this uh, about Jamar Chase's rookie campaign. Read it to them, uh, buddy. This is a direct quote from Jamie's story. Remember how ridiculous Justin Jefferson's rookie season was? His former LSU teammate, Jamar Chase, bested it by nearly 12% in per-game scoring. That's ridiculous. It really is. It really is. And obviously he had the ginormous game, the, the championship-winning game to end the season, both for the Bengals in the division and for you in fantasy. But he was really good before that. Now, he had that dip in the midseason, which which is to be expected. But obviously, he was so hot early in the season. He got hot late in the season. Look, what what is there to be concerned about? There really isn't. He's an elite talent. We've known that for quite some time. 
He has a tremendous connection with his quarterback, who's also a damn good quarterback, by the way, in Joe Burrow. We've seen them in this offense. The team should grow. The protection should be better for Joe Burrow. They're still uh, this is this is the same thing and the same argument I made last year. Correctly, I might add, and 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 I will say this with a, a, the air of cockiness, only because I know we're probably several weeks away from the roast of Jamie, and I'm going to get my myself knocked down a few pegs here. But the same reason I like Justin Jefferson a lot this past year. There was meat left on the bone. Like there was no reason to believe that Justin Jefferson, aside from injury, was just going to fall off a cliff. I would argue there's more potential meat left on the bone for this Bengals offense going into 2022 than there was for the Vikings and Justin Jefferson this past season. So to your point, Chris, I I could see him catapulting into that top three wide receiver conversation. I I love the, 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 we saw it over the last month or so of the season from Zach Taylor that he just got to let Joe air it out. Now they tried to have some semblance of balance at the beginning of the season and it worked. I mean, they, they're, they're a playoff team because they won a bunch of games early in the season, but they really started to hit their strive offensively when he was like, you know what? I'm going to let Joe Burrow throw it 35, 40 times a game. I'm just going to let him do it because he can. And he's one of our best reasons why we can win a football game. And I'll tell you the other thing too, Jamie, what gives me a lot of confidence in Jamar Chase is he had that explosive start to the season lived up to all the expectations that everybody had from where he was drafted, both in real life, in the NFL draft, and then in fantasy drafts. And he has that dip where the ball's not going his way. It's going to Tyler Boyd. It's going to T. Higgins. And you know what happens, Jamie? It doesn't impact the way his, the, the season finishes. He finishes season strong. I like to see that from a young player, right? He's able to have some confidence going into the offseason. He's going to get another year of chemistry with a guy he's already got a, a ton of chemistry with. They're going to be able to play meaningful playoff games together. Like I think there's just a lot of things that would point you in an upward trajectory that this can only grow. Now, is he going to be able to absolutely replicate the numbers that he had this season? I don't know. We'll let Jamie's projection, projection speak for that at the beginning of next season. But I just think just from a, a perception standpoint and a trajectory standpoint, you have to feel good about Jamar Chase being a long-term fantasy option. And keep in mind, this was all after not playing football for about a year and a half. Guy sat out a full season. It, it's it's absolutely nuts. So uh, he's going to be a fascinating player in fantasy jazz. I, 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 to me, there's no way he... Uh, I do think I do think he will push into the first round in best ball formats, but I do think he is going to be a consistent second round receiver in, in redraft formats. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if he becomes one of those players that narrative takes over and pushes him maybe just a little bit higher up the board than where he should go, and then all of a sudden maybe you don't necessarily get him a lot in your leagues. I don't know. We'll see. I could see it. Like right, I said, if, right? if Adams is not with Aaron Rodgers outside of Cooper Cup, there's going to be a wide open race there for where people feel like that wide receiver two should be. Uh, obviously I I've staked my claim to, uh, at this point, I like still like Justin Jefferson slightly more, uh, but who knows? Pick two dot four. Joining- oh, oh, by the way, Justin Jefferson might not have Kirk Cousins next year. I mean, that that's something that has changed since we've had this conversation. And about a new the, coaching the trade staff, rumors right? And yeah. And a so, new coaching staff. So these are, things, I, again, narratives possible. Narratives can, can influence these decisions, and I think it's very important to note that. Uh, 2.4, Jamie, uh, joining Cooper Cup, and I can't believe you did this. You paired a Ram with a Ram. How dare you do this? How dare you put two players from the same team together? Uh, Cam Akers coming off the board here in the second round, and I think, Jamie, I think a lot of this, you're, you're – I don't want to speak for you, and you will very easily correct me. I know you will. But there's a little bit of projection here in that sure. we're going we're gonna to get an opportunity to see Cam Akers play, and I think you're assuming that we're going to like what we're going to see from Cam Akers here in the postseason, and that's going to give us just enough breadcrumbs to be like, okay, the player we thought Cam Akers was going to be last year comes back from the injury. We see enough here to be able to kind of stick with that projection for next season. And that's pretty much my mindset. Like, I'm trying to – look, we saw him get a few touches here this past week. We're going to see him used a lot more – in the postseason, I'm very curious to see now that he's got a few touches under his belt, how heavily he is used alongside Sony Michelle on Monday night against the Cardinals. But uh, look, we have to remember what we thought about him last year and the way he ended that 2020 season that got us so excited about him. Uh, you know, he from week 12 on, on in that season, he ranked as the RB 16 in average fantasy points per game, then had that monster uh, two playoff game run against the Seahawks and Packers where he turned 49 touches into 272 yards and two touchdowns. And you know, we were looking at him in ADP as a fringe first rounder last year and as a definite top 15 pick prior to that Achilles injury. So the fact that he's back on the field and we're going to see him, even if he's not spectacular, just him being back on the field and not injured will make us feel so much better heading into fantasy drafts than the whole offseason mystery. Now, not that you expect an Achilles to linger another 
what is it gonna be six months before like OTAs and stuff, but it's the kind of that one, it's the mental thing for the player that they're out there in real football games and getting going again. I think um, this is a cross sport reference, but a few years ago, uh, Bryce Harper, I believe, talked about this as well when he got hurt and wanted to play like the final game of the season, just so we didn't have to go into the offseason with any level of not knowing if he could play in an actual game based on the injury. So I do think this is going to be important. We know that Sean McVay wants to run the ball a ton. Sony Michelle is a pending free agent. I don't think he's coming back. So it's going to be Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson again. And basically, I think we're going to be looking at the exact same situation we were looking at last draft season, which means, is it a little bit of a risk? Sure. But the upside here is top five running back. We're going to do this again, aren't we? You and I are going to take another trip around the sun, and we're going to have the same argument that we had all of last year that I feel like I was a little bit vindicated on. You're just going to... You're going you're gonna to firmly put yourself back in this camp, and we're going to do this again because the next player off the board with the fifth pick in the second round, joining Nashi Harris, is DeAndre Swift. Now, what, yeah, does, yeah. This ma- now, what does this make him now I, I, on the RB list? Because I've lost track. Uh, so, in- let me see here. Because we, we started out with eight running backs, then Chubb was nine, Javante Williams was 10. So this would He's put RB him 12. at 12. No, stop. He's not an RB1 on a weekly basis. Come on. Come Why not? On. Come on. Why not? Before he got hurt, he was perfectly fine. In the Lions' first 10 games this year, which is where he played without an issue, he's, he averaged more than 19.4 points in more than half of them. Then he got hurt on Thanksgiving, and things kind of fell off a cliff. Like In half PPR or full PPR, he's absolutely worthwhile here in this conversation here at the back end of RB1, top end of RB2 categories. Absolutely worth this conversation. Jared Goff looked a lot better later in the season. The Lions looked somewhat competitive, but that's fine. They don't need to be competitive. You don't really want them to be terribly competitive. You want the pass-catching upside for DeAndre Swift. Jamal Williams wasn't as big of a thorn in the side as we thought. Okay? I The touchdowns were still there. Like I'm still buying in on the talent. As I said here at the very bottom, I'm still buying in on the talent, pass-catching ability, and the volume that he should continue to get while the Lions are rebuilding. So they bring in another running back or something weird. I believe Williams on a two-year deal, so I don't think they w- would bring in another back. Then we could talk, but he absolutely should be here in this conversation. I'm just going to move on. I, I, we're going to probably debate this throughout the entire offseason. I'm, I'm sure gonna, we will. I'm just going to keep – I'm just going to sidebar it uh, for later. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I, w- I would take DeAndre Swift over the next guy we're going to talk about for sure. So I like that you have Swift in front of this guy because I'm down on this guy for next season. Uh, joining Christian McCaffrey – with the sixth pick in the second round, Ezekiel Elliott, Jamie, and I, I, I think- boy, three years ago this would have been like the the dream scenario, right? Like you would have like you would have kicked out of your league if you started off with Christian McCaffrey and Zeke. Collusion. By the way, I, I want to mention this about Zeke before you get this going. He will not go higher than this. I think there's a very good chance he is lower than this as we go into the off season, but like. I kind of ranked him at what I think is the peak right now. For you. Correct. For me. You're not because I could see a scenario where Zeke is still a first round running back for some people in I hope drafts not. next summer. But I mean, actually, you know what? I hope so. And invite me to yeah. those leagues. Yeah, it means good players fall uh, fall to us. Jimmy, I don't know. Okay. Okay. No, I'm I'm supposed to be he's good a tough player. Look, he's a tough player but to rank. He is he is not what he was the first two or three seasons of his career. That's that needs to be said. He is not that player anymore. That is not the evaluation that you need to put Ezekiel Elliott through. You need to put Ezekiel Elliott through the player that I think he was last season and this season, right? And th- that's the player that we're evaluating. And Jamie, he he's clearly banged up at times, right? You can just see it, that he's not 100%. Yeah. And that makes this such a tough evaluation because Tony Pollard, I think, is still going to be involved in what they do. A little bit, but here's the here's the thing. Here's the Tony Pollard stuff. Okay, I do agree that Tony Pollard needs more work, but he's not getting it. He's just not. The Cowboys have every financial incentive in the world to give Zeke Elliott a big workload, and if you look at this year for Tony Pollard, he more than doubled his snaps. Like Elliott, more than doubled Pollard's snaps. Like it, it's, I know everybody's clamoring for it. And by the way, I like Tony Pollard a lot too. The reality is, is the offense is going to continue to run through Zeke. Now, the reality is, is we are at a discount here. Now, keep in mind, I'm RB heavy, 
So we're already, what, 18 picks in the draft. This is the 13th running back off the board. So there's a good chance RB13 for you is a little bit later in the second round, and this feels more like a, a value pick. But I'm fine taking him here as we're talking into the RB2 categories now. Not taking him as an RB1. Taking him as an RB2, which is where he finished in average fantasy points per game. Finishes the RB14 this past season. Uh, because he didn't miss a ton of time, he finishes the RB6 in total points. But again, I, I think total points is a way to get you in trouble in fantasy. I think you really need to look at per game totals when you start to project forward. An RB14 in that category. Zeke was a little bit banged up this year, as was Dak, with a number of ailments, literally from the preseason on. So if both these guys are a little bit healthier, I'm gonna I like this, I like this spot here for him. I don't feel comfortable taking him as an RB1 anymore, but as a high-end RB2, an elite RB2, I'm perfectly okay with it. Yeah, I think that's where you you can get value from from Zeke because then you're not relying on him to be the guy every week for you that puts up those RB1 numbers because then you've probably drafted somebody in the first round that you are expecting that type of big performance from. So that's if you draft Zeke as your top guy going into the season, I think you're going to feel pretty disappointed in what you see at the end of the season, right? I think that's ultimately yeah, the conversation we're having. Um, we're I having think you'll be – he's still got a high floor. Like Again, I don't want to go into the season as Zeke as my RB1. I would love to go into the season as Zeke as my RB2, but when you're sitting there at RB13, like he's going to be the RB1 for some people. You know, and if he's the RB1, if you have Cooper Cup, if he's the RB1, if you have Justin Jefferson, if he's the RB1, if you have Jamar Chase, like you, Chris, uh, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. He, doesn't have, that- he, he doesn't have top three running back upside anymore. Like, I, I, I don't think that he's ever going to do that again, but. Is he, can he be okay for you? I think he can. I'm curious to see where he goes in drafts. Yeah, his average ADP will be, will be interesting. Yeah, it, they, they call it in fantasy baseball the Yankee tax, and this is, this will be the Cowboys tax of like where he goes. But I don't know. A lot of Cowboys fans like don't like him. They want more Pollard. So we'll see. I, I could see him being, becoming a value, but Bobby, that's, that's probably wishful thinking. 2.7. You, you, re, you reunited old teammates here. Dalvin Cook. Paired up with Stefan Diggs, the Stefan Diggs, the pick here at 2.7. And, and this is, you know, I think if you would have told yourself, Jamie, at the beginning of the 2021 season that Stefan Diggs would be towards the back half of the second round of your way too early mock draft for the next season, I think you would have shocked yourself a little bit because that probably meant Stefan Diggs didn't live up to the expectations that were had for him. And it was a weird year for Stefan Diggs because I think when you look at what his numbers are at the end statistically, you're going to be like, oh, that's a pretty good season for Stefan Diggs. Just felt like it didn't come at the right time for you. He didn't peak for you at the right time in fantasy. Yeah. And that's what kind of influences this decision here. The funny thing was, if you got the Stefan Diggs season while he was in Minnesota, you would have been thrilled. Like, you you would have been over the moon. And it was just kind of just comparing it to last year's first year in Buffalo. Felt a little disappointing. Like I said, it's I, – I, you could argue – I mean, the debate versus 2021 versus 2018 would be fun. But, like, you could argue this was the second best year of his career. He scored more touchdowns than I anticipated he was going to score. Not by a lot, but, you know, he crossed my projected touchdown threshold. Finishes the wide receiver seven in total points, but, like – he was three full points off of his 2020 pace in average fantasy points per game. Finishes the wide receiver 10. So you weren't, it wasn't a bad year by any means, but if you're going to draft a wide receiver in the top 15, so, and this is kind of where these wide receiver twos off the board go. Like they'll go between pick like 10 and 15. You can't finish as the wide receiver 10 in average fantasy points per game. You at least got to return a top five at your mm-hmm. position. And so it's disappointing. Uh, I still like him a lot here. Where does this put him at? Wide receiver four? This No, Five? I think he's, well, no, I think he's wide receiver six. Six. Okay. So, yeah, because we got what? Cup, Jefferson, Adams, Hill, Chase. And yeah, so wide receiver is six. I think that's about fine. I think there's an argument to be made for the next guy as well. And, and I'm sure that this will be uh, a common conversation in fantasy jazz when you get to this point you're gonna take a wide receiver because spoiler the next pick is also a wide receiver but uh i kind of feel like barring injury though this is prob i can't say it's i'm not gonna say it's the worst that it can get because i feel like that's hyperbole but i don't think there's much risk that stefan Diggs went healthy in buffalo that his floor is much lower than this like i think there's a really good chance that if you're now buying him on his 2021 price that you'll actually get some return on your value 
Mm-hmm. Because uh, I don't, I don't see a scenario where he takes a, a, any more steps backwards statistically from the, from what he was this season. No, and he had a good year. Like it's it's weird to criticize the like. Let I, let's look at the raw numbers Stephon Diggs had this year. Like, and that's why it feels so weird to criticize it. He had a hundred and three catches for twelve hundred twenty five yards and ten touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, that's a good. That's a good season. That's, that's a good. good yeah, that's good. It's not quite what he did last year. And really, with the only difference, I mean, obviously there's some yardage differences and all that other fun stuff, but it was really just the volume of catches. Like when he was like, if you remember down the stretch last year where he would have these, I mean, uh, you know, I almost cursed there, but, you know, hell, he'd have eight catches at halftime. Mm-hmm. Like remember some of those games? Like it was not, I was like banking on Stefan Diggs' reception over props like last year. So didn't quite have that this year, but had a phenomenal season. Joining and Joe Mixon, strong, which, is good, which is encouraging too. He had a really strong run to end the year, which is nice to know going into next year as well. Caught a ridiculous touchdown pass against the Jets on Sunday. Oh yeah, that I still don't think was a touchdown, but they gave it to him anyway, and it was ridiculous that he even made it close. Pick, oh man, that cost the Jets the playoffs. Pick two point eight. Joining Joe Mixon, fun player. This is a player that I think is going to be a really fun evaluation today and throughout the offseason. Wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, Debo Samuel. And Jamie, this is a player that we have talked about on a weekly basis on the recap show. You have talked about the fact that, hey, you're going to get him involved in the, you know, the passing game. You're going to throw him the ball because it was that stretch of the season where they just weren't utilizing him in that that part of the field. And it started to kind of change here the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I think it's going to be a fascinating evaluation point to see how they utilize him next season and if it is a similar role to the way that they used him this year. And, and likely with a different quarterback. Uh, I, I would be shocked if anybody but Trey Lance is the week one starter for San Francisco next year. And uh, by the way, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Like in those two starts that Trey Lance, he, with Trey Lance, he averaged a little bit more than 15 fantasy points per game. So he was still plenty productive with Trey Lance last year. Not quite as productive as he was with Jimmy G, but there's a short sample size there. But 620-plus performances for him this, this last year. I, I was absolutely sensational. He carried a lot of fantasy teams. Uh, finished less than a one total point behind Devontae Adams this year. Like that's how good Debo Samuel was. And it kind of feels like pick 20 here is a little low, but I, I, I guess my only concern would be is I, I do think I, – I don't know fully what to expect with Trey Lance. I don't know if they're going to use him as much as a runner. I could see him coming up my rankings here a little bit, and part of it is, is again, I go RB heavy to start. Like I expect Debo Samuel to go higher than, than pick 20. I just tend to, to go with running backs based on my strategy here. But the one thing that could be really interesting – is if if one of these fantasy platforms get frisky and they add RB eligibility to Debo Samuel, he's a borderline first-round pick. I don't know if any of the big boys are going to do it, but I could uh, I could see somebody – I could see a, a platform out there doing it. Yahoo does because, weird shit like that sometimes. Because then all of a sudden, you can put him in two different spots – you're going to get the points either way. Changes what you can do with him, right? Yes. It, yeah, obviously, the ability to put a receiver at running back is ginormous, but also just the roster flexibility is also helpful. So uh, I think at that point, we're talking about him. Maybe if he's not in the first round, we're talking about him. He's in front of DeAndre Swift, off. I'll tell you that much. I'd pro- Yeah, I mean, I'd probably put him. He, he, he enters that Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase conversation like at that top of the second round that we've already discussed. Like, I don't think I'd put him in, in the first round necessarily, although it's tough because we don't see players like this that get this versus. So it, it's tough to quantify exactly how much value that adds. You know, I, I can't see me putting him over Javante Williams, who was the last pick of the first round, but it's possible if that happens. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. Also, he the way he was utilized this season was was a unicorn in some senses that we've never seen a player be utilized like this. It's tough, Jamie, I'm sure in your mind, to figure out if it's going to be a one-to-one replica next season with a quarterback change, and are they just going to decide we're going to continue to use him this way? Because by the way, Jamie, they got Jeff Wilson. They got Elijah Mitchell. like They got guys that can run the ball. Yeah, so, and yeah, and they'll, they'll get – maybe they'll get something out of Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon – Next year. Notable um, fan favorite of mine. Yeah. Well, look how well that went. Um, yeah. And to me, it's it's more so, 
mean, obviously we'd like him to get running touches, but like I'm, I, I don't care if he never touches the ball again as a running back. Just the eligibility is huge because just his wide receiver numbers at the running back position gives you such a high floor, which is why Cordero Patterson was looking like a league winner until he completely fell off a cliff the final month of the year. Oh, sure. I, I, I wasn't talking about the eligibility per se. I was expecting like what you can expect from him is going to de- depend on are they going to go one-to-one and use him in the same kind of role that they did this season. And I don't know if you can make that kind of bet. Um, last three picks for us to discuss here on the show. And, JB, this has got to hurt you to see this guy, this player, down this far on the list. The back half of the second round for, I think, potentially one of your favorite players in fantasy over the last couple of seasons Aaron Jones joining Austin Eckler on this team with pick two. I would love to, 10. Chris, but you I skipped, skipped the pick. a player. I you skipped, skipped a the player. Pick, Chris. I skipped 2.9. I just realized I scrolled down too far. Antonio Spoiler. Gibson joins, Alv- joins Alvin Kamar. Sorry, Aaron Jones is pick 10. Sorry, everybody. Uh, Antonio Gibson joins Alvin Kamar 2.9. I scrolled down too far. You did scroll down too far. But yeah, Antonio Gibson here. And he's kind of an, and this is, quite frankly, the setup was fairly reasonable for Antonio Gibson as well. Uh, it kind of pains me that he's down here this much, but. Look, he had some fumbling issues this year. Obviously, we we always get the random J.D. McKissick game. There were COVID issues. There's a lot of different things that happened there. Uh, but this is now the second straight year he's finished as exactly the RB12 in total points. But his per-game ranking is a little bit more reflective of the year he had. He was the RB20 in fantasy points per game. And I think that's – if anybody that had Antonio Gibson, that that sounds more reasonable for the type of year that you got. Uh, but you know what? I'm okay buying in on a bit of a bounce back here. Uh, if I can get him as an RB2, which again, which is what we're doing here, what is the RB14 uh, on my list right now? So at that price, I'm willing to kind of buy back in a little bit with the hopes, expectation, pleading that Washington has a better quarterback situation next year. This offense looks a little bit better. Maybe they'll get a little bit more from Curtis Samuel and kind of open up this team in general. Still an amazing talent, still has can get in the end zone, still can be a lead back. Had a strongish finish to the end of the season. All those things are encouraging. To me, I just need that RB2 price tag to feel comfortable starting Antonio Gibson. Like I, I don't want to walk into the year with Antonio Gibson as my RB1. I feel like there's too much risk with that. Uh, I, I would much rather have him here uh, as my ideal scenario, which is the second running back on a RB, RB start to my fantasy draft. Yeah, they got the quarterback situation is so important to to what this is going to look like. Like they need to have that figured out. And we thought they at least for this season were when they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then he obviously gets hurt, and that changes the, the, everything. Uh, but assuming I think in this year's draft they're going to take a long term look at potentially getting a quarterback that they're going to build around, that would be very nice for everybody involved there. In <laughs> in Washington, uh, Aaron Jones, Jamie, we can finally get there. I can finally talk about. There Aaron we Jones go with you. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say the setup again. A player that you've loved for years, I, I think you'd be shocked to find him down this far on, on the board. Yeah, uh, there's just a lot of unknowns. It, it, you know, Obviously, the downgrade, he is going to be in Green Bay. That we do know. We don't know his quarterback, and we don't know what the offense is going to look like. Um, obviously, I would much rather have him with, with Aaron Rodgers than Jordan Love. I think that's a hot take. Um, also, you know, look, A.J. Dillon took on a bigger role this year, but both backs are touching the ball an astounding amount of times. Like this is kind of the preview of the offense they want to run in Green Bay post Aaron Rodgers, which is just a lot of touches in all facets of the game for Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Uh, obviously, AJ Dillon's going to have a bigger role, but that's not really what I'm concerned about as much because that's kind of you think you have to build that in now. Who's a quarterback? And I don't, I, I can't rule out that Rodgers comes back to Green Bay. I still feel like it's unlikely. So. That's kind of where he's still getting a little bit like a smidge of credit for Aaron Rodgers here because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, I think it's more likely he drops to the third round if and when that decision is made and Aaron Rodgers is gone from Green Bay. But still, a guy that finished top 10 uh, in total points, third straight year that he finishes a top 10 running back in total points, top 15 in average fantasy points per game. Again, we're now here at RB15. I feel a little bit more comfortable here. He will drop a few spots uh, when the news becomes official that Aaron Rodgers is gone because I have to at least account for today that there's a chance he could be back. And if he does, he should go higher than this. But it's just a lot of uncertainty around Green Bay right now. And luckily, there really aren't a ton of options that you're going to be taking early. Like it's Aaron, you have to make the decision on Devontae Adams and you have to make the decision on Aaron Jones. But, you know, you're not drafting like Lazard or MVS or. Even Dylan, like in the first five or six rounds, you know what I mean? The first five rounds or whatever. So you're not having to, if you had to do like an early draft today for some reason, there's not a ton of players you have to worry about 
that factor, but Aaron Jones is one of them, and this is kind of where I split the difference a little bit. Yeah, I'll tell you, I don't know how much caked into where you have Aaron Jones right now, um, the quarterback and the and the A.J. Dillon stuff is right now. I, I think maybe the closer we get to the season and the more clarity we have if Aaron Rodgers isn't a quarterback, I still I, – I, I, for me personally, the A.J. Dillon stuff is a little bit more important. I, I, I really have – worries about the way A.J. Dillon was used in the latter part of the season. And Aaron Jones wasn't potentially getting into the end zone a whole lot because they were giving the ball to Dillon down there. And he would have to catch the ball to the backfield. Aaron would to be able to do that. And again, the quarterback situation. So, Jamie, I, I don't know if this is the sticking point. I think, I, I think based on the fact that I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to be back next season and A.J. Dillon ain't going anywhere, I would be surprised if Aaron Jones uh, stays here at 10. In the second round, I think he's going to go lower uh, than this moving forward. Two more picks I, I, before we do that. Yes, I do think it's it's likely that that happens. Um, but there's also, I, I think, of not that I'm not worried about the AJ Dillon stuff. I, I don't want to come across as saying that I'm not worried. But he can still be productive in the role. And by the way, Dylan got a lot of touches this year. The last four weeks of the season, okay, AJ Aaron Jones was the what five six was an RB one in average fantasy points per game with 14.6. And they were using AJ Dillon a ton. So uh, there's still room for productivity. Now, productivity with Aaron Rodgers versus productivity with Jordan Love is a whole different story. Like I said, if Aaron Rodgers is not there, I'm not taking Aaron Jones in the second round. I am giving him a little bit of uh, like partial credit, almost like a 70. I'm giving him like a 30% chance that Aaron Rodgers comes back type of a thing, uh, which is baked into his ranking right there. Joining Jonathan Taylor, Travis Kelsey. We had a new tight end one. We did. In this past season with Mark Andrews. But you here on this program are saying that Travis Kelsey entering the 2022 season is your tight end one. Explain yourself, sir. Just It's the, the amount of consistency. Uh, look, we got, we, as you said, new tight end one for the first time since 2017. And it was Gronk was the last tight end one before Kelsey had went on that massive run there. But to me, Kelsey finished as either the tight end one or tight end two in every single season since 2016. That is a long time. He's still got an elite quarterback throwing him the ball. Uh, you know, a lot of his reason why he was down this year is we saw a little bit of a decrease in touchdowns, a little bit of decrease in red zone targets. Not necessarily sure that's going to be the case. We saw some inconsistency, a lot of it, in the Kansas City offense early in the season. Uh, I think that's going to be better next year, particularly if they add another pass catching weapon as well. Uh, I think we'll be able to have more red zone opportunities for Travis Kelsey to be successful. Uh, I like Mark Andrews a lot. We'll talk about him as we get a little bit further in the draft. Not today. He's not the last pick of the round. But uh, And again, love Mark Andrews a lot. Mark Andrews will be my my tight end two going into the year. That's a spoiler. But I still I still can't knock the consistency that is Travis Kelsey. But I do think we are, we are not even remotely in the conversation of taking a tight end in the first round or even really the top 15. The last pick. For the second round of today's mock draft, this is the team that started it all with Derrick Henry with pick number one, and they're adding a wide receiver in Mike Evans. Yeah, I, I kind of think Mike Evans is still underrated. And it, it's amazing considering, you know, he's the only receiver in NFL history, what, eight straight years with a thousand yards to start his career. Uh, I, a very a prominent fantasy football ranker who I have a lot of respect for released his uh, early rankings and had Evans down at wide receiver 24 for next year. I, I don't understand that at all. Hey, that person does know that Chris Godwin probably gone. Antonio Brown's I don't care if Chris Godwin's door. there. Like, he's, that's too low. Obviously, Antonio Brown will not be there taking targets away anymore. Uh, Godwin may or may not be there. Tom Brady still is a monster. Uh, you know, Evans, again, these are all numbers through week 17. So, obviously, I, he caught a I believe he caught a touchdown in the final week of the year, but it doesn't, this is not a factor for this equation. Uh, you know, he was a wide receiver 11 in average fantasy points per game. Uh, just his two seasons with Tom Brady in total points finishes the wide receiver 10 and wide receiver 9. Uh, like, just lock up your 1,000 yards, lock up double-digit touchdowns, just it's – and put it at the bank. I know he's dealt with injuries. I know we've, he's had soft tissue and hamstring and stuff, but he's still been a top 10 receiver. I, I – I don't get it. I don't get why there isn't uh, a lot of love here for him. And uh, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. That there's not more love here. 
So, like, where where does this put him? My my wide receivers here. So if so, we got Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson as a recap, Devontae Adams three, Hill four, Chase five, Dig Stephon six. Diggs six, Debo Samuel seven, Mike Evans eight. Like, I'm perfectly okay with that. Like, that's I, reasonable. Yeah, I was surprised to see. Now, as we'll talk about other receivers, like there's razor thin margins between some of these guys, but the the level of consistency you're getting from Mike Evans is amazing, and I was shocked to see that he already looks like he's going to be underrated for next year. All right, Jamie, let's very quickly talk about these wild card games. We'll do a little rapid fire breakdown uh, of these games because we got a lot of them to get to. We'll start with the Saturday games, uh, Raiders and Bengals. And Jamie, this is an intriguing one, I think, for a lot of reasons. But I'm intrigued to see Bengals first time in the postseason uh, under Joe Burrow. The Raiders doing everything in their power to get to to this playoff, considering everything that has happened to that team this season. you got to be impressed there. Uh, I like Cincinnati in this game just because they're home, but I could see this one going either way. Yeah, this is going to be a really exciting game to kick off uh, regular wild card weekend. Uh, and to me, I'm going to go with the Bengals here as well. Uh, I just love the way their offense has been playing. Uh, but here's the thing. Max Crosby can be a game wrecker. And I think that if, if the Raiders win this game, like the path for the Raiders to win this game is for Max Crosby to absolutely brutalize this Bengals offensive line. And he can't. And Max Crosby's had a monster season this year. He said he had way more QB pressures and QB hits than even DJ Watt. So he could be a game wrecker for Cincinnati, and they're going to have to deal with that. But I do think the Bengals' offense right now is just a little bit too much to handle. Uh, I think both teams are going to be, you know, they're, they're around the same level talent-wise uh, in terms of just overall talent. But I think the Bengals have the top-end talent in this game. So give me the Cincinnati Bengals to win. Max Crosby got to do his best Will Anderson impression he could. this weekend. If the Raiders win this game, Max Crosby if will be either reason number one or reason number two why. The Patriots play the Bills Saturday night in a AFC Saturday. wild. Saturday. 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 The Bills play the Patriots in a Saturday night. AFC wildcard matchup. Ooh, 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 ooh. And Jamie, this is just a game of Should two teams. Thinking? Yes, please. I appreciate <laughs> okay. it. We'd like you to stop. Um, I think just two teams that I, I think are trending in different directions. I have not been impressed with the way the Patriots have finished this season. I have not been impressed with the way Mac Jones has looked to, to close out the season. And I think the Bills, this is such an important part, Jamie. They've been able to find a semblance of a running game. Now, that's not their yes. identity. It's not. They're not going to all of a sudden run the ball 35 times in a football game and try to win. But the fact that they can do that, it's been one of the biggest knocks on them and their ability to win in the postseason. That They can't run the ball. Well, they kind of have found that toward the tail end of the season. They're home. I like them in this football game because they have found that running game and because I do not like the way the Patriots have been trending to the end of the season. This is going to be the most physical game of wildcard weekend. I am this one is uh, by the way, I'm I'm excited for all the games, but I'm really excited for this one. We've seen these two teams play twice, two very different results in those games, two very different weather scenarios in those games. And to me, I look at this, this is really all going to be about Patriots offense. And I know it might sound weird, but Mac Jones has not played particularly well to end the season. Uh, I, I don't I have not been impressed with these last few weeks from him. And if the Patriots are going to win this football game, they're going to win this football game because they're able to run the ball consistently down Buffalo's throat with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. That is their path to victory in this game. And obviously they're not going to run as often as they did in the in the win game or whatever with with all that. You know, where they threw the ball, what, three times? We're not getting that. But that is their key to victory because Buffalo has the quarterback advantage. Uh, they have I, – I, the both defenses are really good. Uh, I'd probably maybe – it depends on the units and they're a little bit different areas there. But to me, at the end of the day, I think there's a tremendous difference between the two quarterback play. So unless the Patriots are able to completely control the game on the ground, which they've been able to do before, they're not going to win this football game. I'm going to take the Bills, but – I think this is a this is going to be a one score game. I'll tell you what, Jamie. The there's the old adage that if you want to win on the road in the postseason, you got to be able to do two things: you got to be able to run play, play defense, defense. and yeah. you got to be able to run the ball. The Patriots have it. the talent to do that. I just worry that they're going to. And Mac Jones still in this football game is going to have to make a couple of throws as a rookie quarterback on the road in Buffalo in order to win this game. And that's where I you start to lose me. But they certainly have the talent in both of those areas that if they if they wanted to, the upset is is there. The upset is prime. And that that's my main concern, is that at the end of the day, if I need one of these two quarterbacks 
uh, to make a play. By the way, Chris, congratulations. Uh, your New York Jets will be oh, one of the two I'm, teams. I'm celebrating uh, behind the scenes. You have, uh, not, you in, have not been watching. In next month's Senior Bowl. So um, if one of these teams needs their quarterback to make a play, make a drive to win the game, I have way more confidence in Buffalo right now. And I think that's enough difference for me. But this is going to be a close game. You know what's not going to be a close game, Jamie? The Eagles, when they go on the road to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, I'm I'm all in on the Bucs winning this football game. Yeah. Um, this Eagles team, listen, they they play who's in front of them. They play who's on their schedule. It has earned them a, a playoff spot. But they have nine wins, Jamie. Not a single one of them is against a team with a winning record. They've lost to this Bucs team earlier. There's one thing I ain't doing, and it's betting against Tom Brady at home in the first round of the playoffs in a wild card round. Not going to be me. Not going to happen. Give me Brady and the Bucs. Yeah, give me Brady and the Bucks as well. What's the one thing that's really propelled the Eagles to the postseason? It was their strong and their overwhelming commitment to the running game. Bucks are an elite run defense. Uh, I don't think they're going to have any issues in this game. Although, again, their issues are going to be how many healthy players do they have on the field on offense? Uh, I think that's going to be a, a big factor for them. And, and on the defensive side, too, they're waiting to hear back for guys like Levante David and others. But uh, the Buccaneers finally get a non-Super Bowl home game. So there's going to be a lot of people that could, quite frankly, couldn't afford the ridiculous Super Bowl prices that are actually going to finally see a Bucks playoff game for the first time in a while, despite the fact that they won the Super Bowl uh, there in their home stadium. Uh, I, I like the Bucks to win this game. Uh, the spread has been hanging between 8 and 10, and I feel like that's about right. The 49ers take on the Cowboys, and Jamie, this will be Dude, the first this time. game. I, I will take a road team here. Uh, allow me allow me to be the one because we've taken all home teams so far. Give me the 49ers going on the road to Dallas, winning this football game. I, I think Kyle Shanahan's going to scheme up a bunch of stuff, and they're going to be able to run the ball, and I, I think they're going to be able to go in there and win this football game. I was impressed with the way they came back. They were down 17-0 to the Rams in a do-or-die game where they had to win in order to get in on the road in SoFi, and they took care of business. They got things done. That carries a lot of momentum into this season. And listen, say what you want about Jimmy Garoppolo, Jamie. He's been to a Super Bowl. This guy knows how to win and make throws in big games to get his team victories. I, I do. Trent I think they can make a Jared Goff and, and these other guys have been to a Super Bowl too. I'm not picking him to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo has been to a Super Bowl. I think he knows how to be able to handle these kind of environments on the road. I'm not worried about that. Give me the 49ers to win this football game. This is the game I'm most uncertain about uh, of all of the games here on Wild Card Weekend because. Part of me really, really wants to pick the 49ers. And because I, I don't really love the way the Cowboys have been playing. I know they had they put up a ton of points against, you know, the JV, maybe even like freshman level Eagles team in week 18. But the only thing that gives me pause is this Cowboys defense is just different when they have their starters in. When they have Micah Parsons wrecking havoc, when Demarcus Lawrence is at full speed, when Javon Diggs is making plays opportunistically. Now, he's been making some plenty of negative plays, too, and nobody wants to talk about how that he's given up a gajillion yards as well, but he's he's makes plays on the balls, and you know you don't care if you give up a 50-yard completion if the next play you pick it off and give your team the ball back. So, um, man. Just do I'm it, Jamie. With, do it. I'm going to go with the Cowboys in this game. No, coward, coward. Here's why. I don't I don't fully buy into San Francisco's secondary. Really, the sec- their, their second or third level of their defense as much as I like Dallas's. No, screw it. I'm going to go to the Niners. Screw Let's it. Let's go. You, you talk me into it. Screw it. You know what? I, I just, man, I'm going to change my pick on this like a thousand times, but I'll go with the Niners. I'll go with the Niners. So, Jamie, let me ask you a question. If you, if, I'm going to flip if, seven if, times on this game. Sure. And I think I am too, but of the two coaches, I trust Shanahan more than I do McCarthy. I just do. Yeah, it's not. It, yeah, but to me, it, do I? I guess. I do. I don't know. I, I don't do. know if I do, honestly. I, do. I really don't. I really don't. I don't know if Shanahan, I think Shanahan's a little overrated, but. Uh, as anything other than okay, Shanahan as a head coach is a little overrated. Shanahan as an offensive mastermind is not overrated, but I think those are two different jobs. But neither here nor there. This is going to be a really exciting game. Again, my my difference here is defense, and I just I know the San Francisco 49ers have done a really good job these last few weeks of kind of masking some of their issues in the secondary. But at the end of the day, I'm just. There's no reason why, from a talent level, that Dak, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb. Cedric Wilson, Dalton Schultz, they should have a day against the secondary. They should. They really should. And I think that's going to be the difference in this game. So you, are you flipping back to Dallas? Is that what just happened yeah. there? Okay, yeah. you flipped back. I'm going to stay on Dallas. No, no, no. I'm going to okay. stay on Dallas. Okay. Um, the Chiefs are going to take on the Steelers. I'm taking the Chiefs because I've watched the Steelers Old. play football. 
I have what watched. a bold prediction. Do you I think don't they care. cover? Yeah, they cover the 12. They cover 13. Yeah, they cover the 13. Whatever the number yeah. is, they cover it. I've watched the Steelers team on a weekly basis on red zone. I, I don't care that they got to the playoff. They do not inspire me whatsoever. Just, just not happening. Let me counter with this. Oh, no. No, I'm just kidding. No, no I can't say Chiefs are going to win this game. We're winning cover. Uh, it, it, great story for the Steelers to get in there. TJ Watt's going to cause Patrick Mahomes a lot of problems in this game because of the uh, the, the way the KC's offensive line, particularly the tackle position, has been a little bit uh, sketchy lately, to say the least. But th- I just they can't score with them. First off, the Steelers never score in the first half anyway, so they're going to be down like this is going to be a 21-6 to game going into halftime, and then they just don't have the offense to come back. The last game, the Monday night football game, uh, the Cardinals can't are going to take one. This is going to be fun. The Cardinals take on the Rams in SoFi Stadium. Uh, Jimmy, I'm Manning cast Rams. for this game, too. Let's like, go. Let's I'll, go. I, I will have that on for sure. Um, I'm taking the Rams. Uh, Sean McVay owns the Cardinals. Um, I don't trust trust the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray era in their first playoff game on the road in SoFi. I know they haven't been particularly good at home this season, but I don't think they're going into California and beating this Rams team that uh, has been... They've been up and down throughout the season. It's been a bit of a roller coaster, but I still think they're the more talented football team. I think that they're the team that has been playing better as of late. Uh, so give me the Rams in this game at home. I agree with you completely. Uh, I don't think either team is playing great football right no, now. No, no, no. But, but the Rams, are the Cardinals are playing really bad football right now. And quite frankly, McVay owns them. It's, he yeah, does. It's, it, it's It's been a very one-sided battle there. Uh, I, I trust the Rams' ability to run the football way more than I trust Arizona's ability to run the football. I trust the Rams' defense more than I trust Arizona's defense. Uh, I do think this will be a competitive game, as a- almost every divisional playoff game ends up being. But uh, I just think at the end of the day, you're gonna, we're going to get the inexplicable Matthew Stafford pick at some point. I, just don't, I don't know when in the game it's going to come and whether it results in a pick six or not. Well, it remains to be seen. But I just think the Rams have too much talent and can do too much to this Arizona Cardinals team right now. And, you know, Aaron Donald's going to be a game wrecker on his own front. I, I'm i going to take the Rams, and I feel pretty good about it. That's it for us here on the show. We're back Sunday night to recap all of these games, um, except for that Monday night game that obviously won't have been played yet. Uh, but, uh, Jamie, fun second-round mock draft. If everybody wants to go see that, it's over at thedraftnetwork.com. Both rounds are up there, so if you want to read uh, Jamie's breakdown for all of the picks and all of the players, you can see that over there. Uh, where can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. You can follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. And again, we are back Sunday night to recap the Super Wild Card Weekend action. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.